Thank you, John. Good job. Take your Bibles, turn with me this evening to Genesis chapter number 16. Genesis 16. <coughs> and since that one's so easy to find, turn to the New Testament book of Galatians chapter number 4. Chapter 4 and verse 23. <clears throat> have you ever thought that you were going to have to help God out? You prayed, you waited, and when the answer was not as immediate as you would have liked, you began to formulate plans to help God achieve your goals. Well, Abram and Sarah, realizing what was happening in their own bodies, that time was passing them by, began to feel that they must somehow intervene to help God accomplish his promise of an heir to Abram. Now, this is a common problem even in our own day. Many people really think that that phrase, God helps those who help themselves, really is in the Bible when it's not. When we fail to see God work as soon as we think he should, or in the way that we think best. We feel obligated to help him. We devise various plans and scenarios to get it done, only to find out that not only is all our planning in vain, but that we may have even been a hindrance to God's real plan. So we've been following the life of Abram, and we have already seen his faith tested in numerous ways. And he has grown because of each one of them. It is first tested as he is called by God to leave Ur and all that he knew and to follow God. Secondly, we saw Abram fail the test of the famine as he took his family to Egypt rather than depending upon God. After his return from Egypt, he is tested concerning strife, trouble between himself and Lot. And he passes the test as he relies on God and rather than his own wisdom. After he is called upon to rescue Lot and all of Sodom, for that matter, he resisted the temptation to accept reward at the hands of the king of Sodom. And now we're going to see Abram tested yet again. This time... Tested to see whether he will use human reasoning and whether or not he will have patience. There are three things I want you to see with me tonight as we look at the subject of wrong decisions can have tragic consequences. First, I want you to understand that we should never underestimate God's power and ability. Verse number one of Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian handmaiden, handmaid servant in this translation, whose name was Hagar. Now the problem is pretty simple. Abram wanted a son. He wanted a son more than anything in this world. Sarah was frustrated, frustrated beyond words, that she could not give him one. God had promised Abram an heir. But 11 years have passed since God made his initial promise. And he still had no child, and the promise of God seemed no closer. 
Perhaps Sarah and Abram interpreted God's delay as inability. And add to this one attractive slave girl, a legal loophole, some worldly reasoning, a decision of the flesh, and you have got all the makings of a perfect storm. Now the lesson that God is about to teach through Sarah is an allegory about faith. I'm very cautious about saying something is an allegory in Scripture. If you've read any books at all, you'll come across people who see an allegory in everything. This tree means this, this bush means this, this rock means that. Very cautious because anybody can make that kind of thing up. But we know this is an allegory about faith because the New Testament tells us that it's an allegory about faith. In the book of Galatians chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, we read these words. But he who was of the bondswoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise, which things are symbolic. For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. Since God tells us in Galatians that Hagar represents the law and Sarah represents grace, this story illustrates the, the false idea that grace can obtain something by legalistic means. Abraham <clears throat> was justified by faith. But this didn't keep him from trying to do something in his own strength. God wants us to realize our utter hopelessness without him in order that we might utterly depend upon him. Abram believed God's promise, but he was looking to himself and Sarah to fulfill that promise. He will now look to himself and Hagar to fulfill that promise, but he had yet learned, had yet to learn to depend upon God alone. Sarah, <clears throat> in her impatience, decides to help God out, to accomplish God's will by human means. But man's ways are not God's ways, and no matter how sincerely they may be advanced. She does not realize that sometimes our barrenness is used by God to put us on our faces before him in order that we might see God's miracle. Sarah wanted so much to see the fulfillment of this promise that she made a painful proposal. In verse 2 we read, And so Sarah said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children, Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. <clears throat> Something here I don't want you to miss. I don't want you to miss that Sarah is blaming God. She's blaming her behavior on God. One thing that happens when we stop trusting in God is that we tend to blame God for our circumstances. She's saying, God has kept me from having children. God, by not keeping his promise, is forcing her to do something that she would not under ordinary circumstances do. That's what she's implicating here. Now she's blaming God, but in just a little while she's going to blame Abram as well. The plan that Hagar provide an heir sounds strange to us today. If not illegal at the very least, immoral. But it is not unusual 
in that day. Ancient documents reveal that when a woman could not provide her husband with a child, she could give him a female slave as a surrogate childbearer and claim that child, the child of that union, as her own. Sarah is suggesting a way that they could follow an accepted custom of the world. It is obvious that she believed that a child could and should come from her husband, but she was not sure that God could bring a child through her. Faith, however, never tries to force God to act, never tries to act in God's place, nor attempts something to attempt something supernatural in the power of the flesh. As a man, <clears throat> I have to wonder if Abram was really listening to his wife when she came. We men are a little thick sometimes. Was she trying to get reassurance from Abram of his love, that he would love her whether she gave him a child or not? Is that why she gave him this proposal? Was she asking him to reassure her of God's ability to keep his promise? Was she asking because she simply needed to be reminded of God's promise? Did she make this proposal with the hope that Abram would refuse? If any of those things were true, she was going to be disappointed by the decision. Perhaps Sarah and Abram saw in this custom a reasonable way out of their dilemma. The old commentator W.H. Griffin pointed out this proposal was wrong in every conceivable way. It was a wrong against God whose word had been given and whose time should have been waited for. It was a wrong against Abraham leading him out of the pathway of patient waiting for God's will. It was a wrong against Hagar and didn't, because it did not recognize her individuality and her rights in this matter. It was even a wrong against Sarah herself, robbing her of a high privilege as well as leading to disobedience. Now, while Sarah was the instigator in this incident, Abram is also at fault. In fact, in many ways, <clears throat> the beginning of this can be traced back to Abram's previous failure when he left Canaan and went to Egypt. So, well, how do you figure that out? Well... Hagar is an Egyptian, and it is highly probable that she was part of that parting gift that Pharaoh gave to Abram according to Genesis chapter 12 and verse 16. While Sarah may have made the proposal, the proposal was only possible because Abram had first sinned in deciding to avoid the famine by taking his family to Egypt. There are several things I think that should be painfully obvious as we look back at their decision. First of all, their impatience turned into panic. As they watched the years move steadily by, they became more and more panic-stricken that the promise of God was not going to come. With each passing year, the promise of God moved from the unlikely to the impossible. The second thing we ought to note is there is no evidence that at any time they inquired of the Lord. How can it be that this man of faith 
did not even pray over a decision as momentous as this one. And third, they ended up following their culture, not their faith. And because they followed their culture, the world, it is going to have lasting consequences in their marriage, in their family, and in the world. The second thing that I want you to see tonight is that we have to learn to trust God's timing. He has a purpose for every delay. Genesis chapter 16 verse 2. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah, and then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. And so he went into Hagar, and she conceived. Abram should not have yielded. But there is no perfect walk of faith. We sometimes take two steps forward at once and we inevitably fall backwards. This delay in fulfilling the, prob- the promise to Abram and Sarah introduces us to perhaps the most difficult problem you will have to face as a Christian. It might be interesting tonight to take a poll and say, well, what do you think that the most difficult problem you face as a Christian is? And we might get a lot of different answers. But I think the most difficult problem we face as believers is when we think that God has forgotten us. In fact, sometimes we see the circ- when we look at the circumstances of our life, it doesn't seem to allow for any other explanation. When you are being worked over by the events of your life, it's very difficult sometimes to believe that God's silences and his delays are really evidences of his love. And yet they are. Whenever I think about the delays of God, I think of the story found in the New Testament in John chapter 11. The problem was simple, Lazarus. The brother of Martha and Mary was dying. In verse 3 of chapter 11, we're told that Lazarus' sister sent a message to Jesus informing him of Lazarus' condition. I'm convinced, at least in my own mind, that, this, that the sisters assumed that Jesus would do one of two things. That he would either come as quickly as he could, or that he would send word by a messenger that he was coming shortly. But that's not what happens. If you have your Bible, you want to look. John chapter 11, verse 5. It says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And then after this, he said to his disciples, Let us go. To Judah again. Verse 5 begins by telling us that Jesus loved Lazarus and his sisters. And then verse 6 begins with the connecting word so. And in the King James Version, it is therefore. So, or therefore, or because Jesus loved this family, he did not immediately make his way to Bethany. It is all the more incredible to us that although Jesus loved this family, that he didn't hurry to Bethany, but rather stayed two more days where he was. 
I think some, likewise, sometimes we find ourselves in trouble and we fire off a prayer, but it seems as if God is not heard. At those times, we're tempted to think that God just doesn't care about us. And sometimes the circumstances at such times don't seem to have any other interpretation. When you're going through a dark patch in your life, it's very difficult to believe. As I already said, that God's silences and delays are really evidences of his love. And yet when we examine his decision here, his waiting is not a heartless response to the urgent cry of his beloved friends. No, he had a reason. Have you ever prayed or expected God to do something? And you thought he would or thought he should only to have him wait or delay in his response? Think for back with me for a moment. What did that do to your faith? Maybe the question is, what is it doing right now? You may be waiting for your spouse to change or your kids to respond differently. Maybe you're waiting for someone to forgive you or to accept your forgiveness. According to what timetable do you expect him to work? How has it, how is it affecting your faith? Have you ever prayed for something or someone expecting God would or should answer in a favorable way only to have him say no? Have you prayed for your marriage to be restored only to have it end in divorce? Have you asked God to heal someone only to have them die? Have you asked God to change someone's heart only to watch them fall deeper and deeper into rebellion? Have you asked God to restore a friendship only to have the door slammed in your face? How has it how is it affecting your faith? I think Martha and Mary must have been clearly mystified by what Jesus did in taking so long in coming to Bethany. If not to cure Lazarus, at least to comfort them. They probably went outside each hour just to see if the Lord was approaching. Then back to Lazarus to see his, la- his life just ebbing away. Then they'd go out to look for Jesus once again. Each day they looked down the road, they watched for Jesus. One day came and goes, no Jesus. Second day comes and goes, no Jesus. Lazarus dies and is buried and still no Jesus. Those four days must have been especially difficult for them, but then Jesus came. What we find in John chapter 11 and Genesis chapter 16 is that no matter how it may appear, God's delays always have a purpose. And we really mess things up when we try to help God out. If you're facing a delay in your life, don't give up. God's delays are not from inability, but from wisdom. Delays are necessary... And if we do not submit to those delays, if we rush ahead impatiently, we're going to get into trouble. There's a third and final thing tonight, and that is we need to consider the consequences of our choices. Sin always carries awful consequences. Abram's self-help effort to help God had far-reaching and tragic consequences. 
sin always does. The consequences of Abram's sin at this moment in his life not only had an effect in his own life, but is being felt very powerfully even in our world today in the conflict between Arabs and Jews. There are two immediate expressions of this sin. First, there is pride on the part of Hagar. And secondly, there is jealousy on the part of Sarah. Verse 5 says, Then Sarah said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me, and when Sarah dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Well, that rather clever plan that they had come up with quickly unravels. The resulting friction between the two women is not too difficult to predict. In fact, the family becomes so dysfunctional that it sounds thoroughly modern. I want you to look at the five steps that we can say. First, uh, in that day and age, bearing children was seen as a sign of God's blessing, and consequently the inability to bear children as a punishment from God. So Hagar quickly begins to feel superior to Sarah, and she looks down on her because of her inability to have children. As a servant, that was not a real good thing to do. Secondly, Sarah becomes very unhappy. She is miserable in this situation. And the third thing comes very rapidly, and that is that Sarah blames Abraham. Unreasonably, perhaps, Sarah turns on Abram. She says, in effect, may my wrong be laid to your account. One thing that tends to happen when we stop trusting God, no matter how we justify it, is that we tend to blame others and ultimately God for our difficulties. The fourth thing that we see is that Abraham throws in the towel. Now, Abram should have, should have acted like a man when Sarah came to him. He should have shouldered the responsibility. He should have repented and, and assured Sarah of his love and commitment. He should have dealt kindly but firmly with Hagar, but he did none of those things. Instead, he abdicated any responsibility. Abram puts the matter of showing Hagar her place to Sarah. He says that Hagar is her servant and her problem. It was up to her to deal with the problem. And again, the results are predictably disastrous. Fifth and finally, Sarah begins putting Hagar in her place. And she made her life so miserable <clears throat> that Hagar fled. Notice, if you will, that no one seems to take any responsibility here. No one takes responsibility for their actions. Sarah blames Hagar and Abraham. Abraham, Abraham blames Sarah. And they all seem to blame God. One thing, again, that is consistent down through the centuries is when we, is when we reap the consequences of failure to trust God, we blame God. The long-range results of this bad decision were even worse than the immediate results. <coughs> Abraham had two sons, Ishmael 
and Isaac. Isaac gave birth to the Israelites, and from Ishmael came the Ishmaelites, and ultimately a large number of Arab tribes who became Israel's perpetual enemies down through history, even to this day. As we bring the message to a close tonight, perhaps you might be at a crossroads in your life. You, you face a choice. Really, we face this choice almost every day. The choice of either going God's way or going the way that you think will work out the best. And you, as you face those issues, I'd ask that you just remember those three simple principles that we looked at tonight. Never underestimate God's power and ability. Learn to trust God's timing. And consider the consequences of your choices. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the story that we've read tonight, and thank you for allowing us to see through the problems of Abraham and his choices into some of the things that might happen in our own lives if we don't beware of following the ways of this world or we try to accomplish your purposes through worldly means. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see how this may apply in our own lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.